1: you off.
2: I think she's trying to get us to do that. (laughs) Hi, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Punching Out. I'm Noah. I'm joined today by Lou. Hey, guys. And Amanda. Hi. And today we are presenting The Case Against Genius. Some of you may remember a while back we had an episode that was The Case Against Work, or at the very least, work as it is currently construed in our society. Today we're taking on another concept um, that is near and dear to our current culture and telling us and telling you anyway, why it's wrong, why it's damaging, why it's oppressive and all of that good stuff.
3: Which is not to say that this is a podcast against, or a radio show against smart people. I mean, (laughs) it could be,
2: but I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it being that, but I understand what you mean. Um, (laughs) Anyway, the Genesis for this episode, uh, came out of something Amanda said so if you'd like to actually sort of bring that in that'd be awesome
1: okay so we were on a previous episode talking about women at work and we were talking about the show Mad Men whose protagonist is Don Draper and he's a pretty notorious example of this the trope of the in this case creative genius and so he he basically enters his work place and he 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 comes in late he keeps like bourbon in his desk or something <laughs> he harasses the secretaries he he leaves early and comes in late but it's all okay because at the end of the day he comes in and makes this amazing pitch there's there's an episode where he's pitching a Kodak slide projector and this is probably the best the most well-known episode of mad men i would say and he he makes this he puts in pictures of his fam of his um, family and his old, um, childhood and goes through and talks about how you know this this Kodak slide projector is going to bring back all of those lost uh, memories and it's it's he just like capitalizes hard on nostalgia and people are in the room crying and af- <laughs> they're like applauding him and it's like the best pitch that anyone's ever heard and. You know, he's there. They're like his work is genius. But at the end of the day, he treats people like they don't matter. Yeah. He doesn't have time for his family. And, you know, at that that whole sh- trajectory of the show kind of almost reinforces the egoism of that, too. So, yeah, that's Mad Men. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He he creates the Kodak moment. Doesn't he spoilers for Madman folks, doesn't he <laughs> yeah. doesn't he at the end create the I'd like to teach the world to sing
3: commercial? Yes, yeah.
1: The yeah. very last which very last act of yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. Which I think egoism is a great word for it because mm-hmm. it takes some cojones to uh, I don't think we can say that. <laughs> it takes some some courage, I'd say, to to take your moment of weakness and say, "How can I capitalize on this most? Mm-hmm. And and how can I turn this other thing into all about me?"
2: That that's mm-hmm. actually a really good point because he's like in a rehab camp or something when he comes up with a Coke right? commercial too.
1: Yeah, he. Yeah, I, I remember yeah. reading
2: about the guy who predicted that and got to and and pulled a huge victory lap because <laughs> everybody else thought he was going to be wrong.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, it's, it's really kind of, it's disappointing. And, and, no, you've talked to, before to me about your your love-hate relationship with one television
2: show. Are we talking about House? Yes. Oh, we're talking, oh, about, we're talking house. about House. Yeah. Yeah. So, at first, before I get into House, because that that's going to happen, I do want to say both my parents worked. In public relations. My my mom still does. And so I've been around for things like ad pitches and and what have you. And while certainly the state of the industry has changed somewhat from when you were allowed to just have like a full service bar (laughs) next to your work desk. I mean, if my dad had one, he was hiding it real well. You know what I mean? So the state of the industry has changed somewhat. One thing that I definitely noticed is that that kind of person doesn't really seem to exist anymore in the way that Mad Men was telling us that they did. Mm-hmm. and that kind of disconnect between reality and fiction you're you're going to see that theme kind of come up a lot during this episode yeah. so house md when i was a when i was a kid in high school i had a teacher who was hooked on house and and made us watch a couple of episodes uh, he was teaching us about a specific process and whatever disease was featured in that episode utilize that as its method of infection or metastasis or what have you And he was just kind of using it as a teaching tool. And we were all like, oh my God, this belligerent, terrible person, but brilliant genius. He seems amazing. And I want to be that, even though he's like popping Vicodin like it's candy. And we all ended up watching it. Like I do remember we would all talk about it as kids. And I watched it into college for a bit. But for me, that was the archetype because After House came on and it was a hit and then they ruined it completely. (laughs) But just a spate of shows where the entire point was that this person is a horrible human being, like the absolute yeah. pits of humanity.
1: But they're really, really good at what they do.
2: So you yeah. have to respect yeah. them.
1: And they're allowed yeah. to be that way. Yeah. Exactly. That was the worst part, is the fact that... Almost it's necessary yeah. for them to be that in, way in, in order, order to, to succeed. Yeah. 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 Which
2: is a disturbing thing to see from your fiction. Yeah. Like right. it, it's It's bad enough to say, well he and it is almost always he is is allowed to be that way it's even worse to get the message that he must be that way or he wouldn't be that good right
3: yeah yeah you know this guy must be a drug addict in order to be the medical savant he is mm mm-hmm. Which is bad. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah.
2: No, it's it's pretty bad. It's good. Or, or like this cop must... Uh, there there were all sorts of these. There was a lawyer yeah. one. There was a cop one. I don't there watch much TV. There still are ones. Yeah, there's,
3: there's still there still are. are. It's, it's of... still a huge thing. Shortly after House came out,
2: mm-hmm. the Marvel
3: picked up. And the first the movie... The Marvel. The Marvel, <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Please Universe. Please stop it. I, it's done. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's too many. anymore. Anyway. No, I actually... Okay. Full disclosure: I actually really like the MCU, but the first one to come out in all these movies was Iron Man
2: mm-hmm.
3: and Tony Stark, and he's arms the, dealer extraordinaire. Yeah, arms dealer extraordinaire, and he's the founding member of the Avengers. Blah blah blah. Who cares? The point is, Tony Stark sucks, and I hate him so <laughs> much. <laughs> so Iron Man, for those of you who aren't really clued in for the past decade and a half, <laughs> he's he's kind of a jerk. He's super smart. He's a really crafty engineer with a butt ton of cash behind him. And he is this this incredible genius, and he's got witty comebacks for everything. And the, the thing I hate most about Tony Stark is the fact that he's never wrong, mm-hmm. at least in the movies. He's never incorrect. Like I don't know how he appears in the comic books or whatever but he's never proven wrong like he can be the biggest jerk to somebody he can say incredibly mean hurtful things he can have his ego run incredibly wild and the writers of the show make it such that he is not wrong or at least he doesn't have to suffer consequences for being wrong right which is very frustrating (laughs)
2: It's Mm -hmm. pretty great, though, because then they have to figure out ways to, like, heighten the stakes, right? Right. So then he has to tear his own life apart. Like, it it somehow always has to be either everybody has to be out to get him because that's the only way that they can defeat him, or he has to take the initiative and destroy (laughs) destroy everything he's worked for, (laughs) which is just an amazing meditation on on what happens when you reach that kind of level.
3: And I I mean, I've talked about it before, but being in guest services and having a overdeveloped sense of justice as it's been described to me uh i i really really hate it when jerks and mean people get their way Mm -hmm. and they can be the most wrong ever but you can still be a really terrible mean person and win Mm -hmm. and that doesn't sit right yeah (laughs) Yeah. no
2: it flies in the face of everything we're told as kids and teenagers and then as teenagers Especially if you grew up in the last couple of generations, you started getting the message that if you just have this inscrutable quality, then you are exempt from the laws of human behavior.
3: Basically, yeah. I knew a guy in high school like that. I think we
2: all did. Yeah. That's the thing.
3: Yeah. So we see this in our fiction and in our media that people are, are treated like that.
2: Well, we saw it with these and now we're kind of continuing to see it. But it's I like the fact that you brought up Tony Stark specifically. Because that kind of combination is where we got shows like now there was there were two separate shows on television (laughs) simultaneously that involved a tech bro billionaire taking over a police force and privatizing it.
1: (laughs) Two. ones were these?
2: I don't remember the name of one and I did try and find it. The other one was APB with Justin Kirk. I actually saw Mm. about 10 minutes of an episode and it was. Every other police procedural you've ever seen, <laughs> the only distinguishing factor was that there is this man who does not look like he should be running a private police precinct is in the middle there just Shouldn't be, like, hanging with his the own officers private
3: bakery or anything let alone <laughs> oh, God. facilities with firearms
2: yep and then there was there was one where it was the same thing but with a hospital <laughs> where he was like, you know maybe if I get the right doctors and I buy the right building." and we just get everything else out of the way. And I'm like, what's everything else? Like, malpractice insurance? <laughs> Institutional <laughs> review boards? Like, what? what is everything? What is keeping you from saving lives? What, yeah. what is going on here? And of course, they always have to put the, you know, the save the cat moments. Of like, oh, they they help out a patient who didn't have health insurance or whatever to like make them look nice, Mm -hmm. make them look like people you wouldn't want to punch in the face.
3: (laughs) Which which is not the case. That's right. Yeah, there's there's especially recently in the past two or three years, there's been even more portrayals in in our pop culture in general of of these wealthy billionaires who must be good because otherwise why would they have that much money? Mm Never mind that Lex Luthor was definitely a villain. Whatever. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if, if we're going to go like back... Like, if you're a billionaire, you're no longer Lex Luthor. You're now Mr. Buys the Police Force you're, guy.
2: You're Tony Stark.
3: Yeah, you're Tony Stark.
2: And, and the thing with Tony, he was explicitly an attempt to create a superhero out of a rich person you would hate. Because he was created in the 1960s, and in the original story, he gets captured by Vietnamese communists. He gets caught by... Yeah. Uh, he gets held up by Vietnamese communists. He trips over a literal tripwire. That, that's how he gets caught... And uh, the grenade from it, the shrapnel, is about to reach his heart. You all know this. Mm -hmm. This is part of the origin story. But the point is, he was explicitly a reaction to um, basically the youth of the 1960s that looked like they might start experimenting with socialism and Mm -hmm. communism and other alternate forms of of society. Stan Lee and and the team behind Iron Man, who's decided to create this hero who would be openly anti-communist, Openly a rich person, openly somebody who was, in every possible way, the oppressor. He was designed to be that way and to still make you cheer for him, which is, again, extremely disturbing as a, as a sort of starting point.
3: That's one heck of a magic trick.
2: It really is. <laughs>
3: it really is, yeah.
2: But I would argue, and, and you're saying now, that we are getting that magic trick pulled on us oh gosh, as a society yeah. now. Yeah. We have the circular logic thing. Um, and now, now I've gotten to say this two days in a row where, you know, you're good because you have money and you, ha- and because you have money, you must be good. Right. So there's just, it, this is a loop that never ends. I am actually looping my finger yeah. in a circle. And, and a when joke.
3: they're portrayed they're, out, they're these billionaires. They, they do have a gift. It's not right. just, I inherited all my money. It's I uh, did inherit all my money, but also I'm a super genius engineer that like apparently handcrafts all 800 of my iron man suits mm-hmm. somehow
2: well with the help of you know, uh, Jarvis and then yeah. Friday right this
3: this AI I've created
2: which I is probably like my greatest achievement in reality I
1: know right <laughs> like I should
2: just be known as the inventor of the division <laughs> um, but I like that it's, it's kind of no you're you're absolutely right there's this um there's always this idea that this person would be you know just like the people who actually do the stuff that he tells them to do, he could go on the factory floor and he could figure it out you know he could mm-hmm. he could go out yeah. there and and really make something of himself. he yeah. just chooses to spend most of his time schmoozing with other rich folk
3: yeah so so in Iron Man, we have the melding of the house plus the benevolent billionaire mm-hmm. you know where where he can be be both a jerk and also just a nice guy but he's not limited to one skill set you know he can do it all everything like that so so both his genius and his money feed into each other
2: mm-hmm. in fiction there are no fail sons basically
3: <laughs> that's a good <laughs> point. so so where do, why is this problematic why is this portrayal of people or, or geniuses in media a problem
1: anybody i because it re, I mean, it reinforces when we're looking at how who we consider to be real life geniuses. Yeah. Like, we've come up with a few examples: Steve Jobs, Elon or Musk. or who our culture consider and we not being the three of us, we being <laughs> we have other opinions. The,
2: <laughs> yeah, you're you're gonna get to hear what we think of these. <laughs> <people>. <laughs> yeah, so
1: what? so we have Steve
3: Jobs That's an example. Yeah, uh, Elon. The Musk. Er- example,
2: I would argue. Yeah, yeah. Elon yeah. Musk. That's a good one. Do we want to talk about any other tech people? Tech people.
3: I mean, there's there's
1: all sorts, and it's it's not just Martin limited. I, I think. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, was did anybody really think he was a genius or just a vulture? Genius like?
2: troll, maybe. Uh, yeah. But like. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. He was he was too gosh to be a genius. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 He he's just yeah. He was too openly yeah. just out of after yeah. the money.
2: He he gave so, the game away too easily.
3: Right. So I think Elon Musk and Steve Jobs is a really good. Upfront examples because, like Steve Jobs is, and continues to be worshipped,
1: mm-hmm. um, revered. Think this is this just occurred to me. Uh, w- I hope that we're all familiar with Elizabeth Holmes. Um, <laughs> yep,
0: worship. <Theranos>. Oh yeah, <laughs> is that how I pronounce it?
1: <laughs> I have. Uh, she basically fashioned herself into a image of Steve Jobs. That's a really good point. Yeah. Be talk about female genius and manipulation and the evil genius trope, which we'll, we we'll get, get there. Get we'll get there. Yeah. 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 But later. <laughs> but anyway, ahead. anyway. Okay. She, was, yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay. So those are the, like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. Those are the probably the most famous ones. You can think of all sorts of other smart ish people who have gotten a lot of, I, I think, not undeserved praise. No, they have gotten a lot of undeserved. Steve
1: praise. Jobs undeserved praise.
3: Yes, yeah. and but other other guys yeah. like Christopher Hitchens. So yeah, I,
1: I don't know a whole lot of other writers. David Foster Wallace,
2: Philip Roth. Um, there's like a whole spectrum of these guys, though.
1: Yeah. What's What's interesting to me about David Foster Wallace, particularly, is um he he's basically he's like the darling of the like two thousands. Uh, literary scene and Mm -hmm. a lot of there's there's a there's a basically there's a there's a whole subset of people who worship the ground that he walks on like like we've talked about with tony stark and (laughs) you know house and even though and, and and even though this this david foster wallace was actually a huge um <laughs> his huge what his huge, uh <laughs> he was not a nice person there we go <laughs> um one of his girlfriends just came out on twitter recently um who is not just his girlfriend a very uh accomplished writer um herself mary carr came out on twitter and detailed some of the things that he'd done to her stalked her repeatedly um, harassed, you know, called her house so until she had to change her number, things like that. He, you know, normal stuff, normal, yeah. normal guy stuff, guy, normal stuff. person. Um, <laughs> I hope you can hear the sarcasm in my voice no. there. Um, but but the whole point of this is like he's demonstra- a demonstrable bad person. I'm putting those in air quotes. Um, so why then my uh, the question that we can maybe answer is why is that why do we excuse that and still worship people who even though they're singular a singular talent or you know and we can't imagine our the 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 progress of history or culture the same way without them why 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 are they still put up on the pedestal i guess yeah that's a good
3: question and i mean the the answer is presumably since you're listening to this episode you understand we think it's the genius (laughs) it's the cult of the genius like worship excuse cult's um, a good word yeah it is and and like there's nothing that this person can do wrong in in order like elon musk is the one i i'm most familiar with because i am a a plebe and i don't read things like you guys do (laughs) (laughs) um but (laughs) i uh you know like he does he writes something really dumb on twitter like tries to invent a i don't know what did he most recently try to invent
2: probably a bus that, oh, th- there, do that all like a time. decent thing <laughs> <chance>. every, <yeah. laughs>
3: every 6 months the tech bro invents a bus he he'll say oh yeah you know what if we could do this you know
1: i think didn't he try to like um he wanted to make like a like a like a Hyperloop type Hyperloop, thing yeah. to a stadium yeah. or something. Yeah,
2: between <laughs> LAX and Dodger Stadium. Yeah. I want to say
1: just for personal, like it's purely probably for just personal for convenience. Right. Which it's just him
2: and his yeah. and and his girlfriend. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Nobody else is traveling. And Grimes,
3: on that one. Right. Yeah. Grimes. yes. Grimes. Yeah. Like, and, and that's the thing is, is he? That's not a really smart thing. Like, whoop dee doo It's that's not something that's really impactful. But his supporters just were everywhere and and yelling at at reporters like he, oh yeah elon musk uh, said that journalism was stupid or i don't even remember he said
2: that powerful people who do you think controls the media oh, that's right come on <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> did say that. everyone who elon, replied to that who approvingly, is that? <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: who are you talking about
2: dude
3: <laughs> <laughs> everyone who
2: replied to that approvingly was like a straight up Nazi. <laughs> right.
3: Yeah. And and the thing is, let's let's imagine, for example, that there are some supporters of Elon Musk who are not straight up Nazis. Pos- it's possible. Who knows? Uh. But they they would be like, oh, well, you know, he meant this, and and they were they were making mm-hmm. excuses for something that was really dumb and not well thought out. And right. And and they do it time and time again, and it's not just with him. It's with with, uh, you know, any time. Uh. What's-his-face-from-Apple says something. They did that with Steve Jobs. They do that with Hillary Clinton, for crying <laughs> out loud. <laughs> are we
1: calling Hillary Clinton a genius? No, is that I'm already? just oh, saying
3: anyway. like, the cult of <laughs> personality that exists with with uh, certain segments mm-hmm. is is emphasized when the reason they are a personality is because of genius. Right.
2: I like the fact that you brought up the revelatory moment you know when they're revealed to not be that smart. Right. With Steve Jobs, we found out when he died that he wasn't that smart because like mm. guys, he should have gone to a doctor. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Um but <laughs> that
1: that, that would have been a real good move, but That that
2: would have been helpful.
1: You know, that's interesting because this made me think of something I saw. I don't know who it was. It might have been
2: Kant. I, for a second I thought you were going to say Kant. <laughs> that, <that's,
3: laughs> no. No, but that's another that's example. Another example of, of, <laughs> exactly. of Like the creative artistic genius that gets excused and yeah,
1: who who uh, uh, the the philosophical, like there's been several like philosophical looks at what genius is mm-hmm. and one of them I was thinking about is that like genius genius is when your bi- your brain is so big that you can only fo- that you can only focus on one thing. And ignore, and, and so you don't have to focus on, like, say, being a good person, you know, cultivating good relationships, uh, washing the dishes or doing chores or anything that, like, normal people do. Right. Or, yeah. or say, I don't know, like, not being a Nazi. Yeah. You when know? you're literally
2: <laughs> superhuman, right?
1: Yeah. When you're, yeah. When you're, yeah. Y-
2: your brain has become... A galaxy brain, perhaps.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Basically. But it, so so this is not a perception that's evolved in the last twenty years, thirty years. This has been around for a long time. That genius excuses you from mm-hmm. having to deal with mortal concerns. Like right. Being yeah, nice to your that's neighbor. That's a good way to
1: put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And it's always and and it has been a cult in the past. It's yeah. been a literal cult. Because as Amanda reminded me, um, the word itself comes from a Latin word that ultimately what it, what it means is the reproductive power of a tribe that is vested in its male members. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, good one. and the emperor's genius, when the Roman Republic transitioned into an empire, the emperor's genius got its own cult. There were temples and shrines to it and people prayed to it. So people yeah. were literally praying to the idea of the emperor having kids.
1: So what you're saying is there's a religious yeah. I there's idolatry. Yeah. There's like it's it's a You cult. use the
2: word reverence, and yeah. that's a very religious word. That 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 specifically comes from a word that means to, you know, to be God fearing, essentially. So yeah, absolutely it's a religious idea. And and we've been stuck with it for 2,000 years, basically.
3: Yeah. It's it's fun. So I think it's time for a break. When we come back, we've talked about about the implications. We need to dig more into what it means for everybody else. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. We'll be
0: back. If you're listening to this on the radio, congratulations. It's the exact middle point of the work week. If that doesn't make you feel any better, try listening to more Punching Out. All our past shows are available on SoundCloud and iTunes. Your boss isn't listening, but we are.
3: Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, You're listening to Punching Out. Uh, I'm Lou. I'm joined with Noah. Hi. And Amanda. Hi. And we're talking about the case against genius. So where we left off, we had gone through some examples of how genius is portrayed in pop culture and then how that is seen in in modern life you know with examples like Elon Musk Steve Jobs people like that so where we kind of want to talk about now is how history is presented and I promise we'll get to where we need to go with this but Noah you brought up a, a little while ago about how history is portrayed in like the great white man history
2: it's. It was the dominant form, the dominant mode of historiography for eh, about the last three centuries, four centuries maybe. And it replaced an even older form of history, which basically believed that men and institutions and, and battles and all of this stuff were all in the service of the will of God.
3: What does that have to do with genius?
2: Essentially, what it has to do is that... People got tired of being told that all of their accomplishments and everything that they had ever worked for and done on this earth was all in the service of divinity, was all divinely inspired. And especially towards the Enlightenment, they started to break with that idea and instead start exalting specific individuals who had done great things.
1: So the God figure just gets translated into just a person but they're still they they still have that essential quality of godliness in a in a way mm-hmm. yeah
2: yeah they're imbued with a kind yeah. of divinity
1: holiness yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so like you know
3: with pre-industrial revolution that's your kings that's your your great leaders and and leaders of countries yeah napoleon but but after the industrial revolution that's captains of industry that's scientists that's Mm -hmm. people who are advance advancing the national gdp
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's like (laughs) those (laughs) heroes (laughs) yeah but
3: it but since you know capitalism has taken off in in such a you know it's it's doing well for itself i'd say at least on the surface, mm-hmm. uh, it's doing well for some of its people. Yeah, it, that's yeah. very much so the case, and and widely seen as as the way forward, and whatever. Who cares? We're well, not getting into that. But yeah. <laughs> but like those those captains of industries, your Rockefellers, your your uh, Einsteins, your light bulb dude, Edison's, that? yeah, your Edison's and Teslas,
2: Einsteins were captains of industry. Whatever.
3: But but you you, you understand what I'm saying? Like yeah yeah. Like these these people that that lead to your scientific advancement, those are the geniuses that we worship now. So right. you went from worshiping your
1: god to your king to your chief, mm-hmm. owner, yeah. boss. Your same yeah. thing. So the implication of that is kind of that regular people not I, they everyday have nothing. Yeah, they should aspire to that. You know, they're they're not, they have val their value is not equivalent to a captain of industry like right yeah. absolutely yeah we i mean in capitalism that's absolutely true right. that your regular worker is not valued
0: mm-hmm. right. by
1: capitalism the same as the as the innovator yeah. or the owner or whatever but in reality you know we know that the world could not exist the world rests on the backs of laborers right yeah um, right yeah and and there's a difference between competence
3: and genius. Competence is everyday, it's mundane, nobody cares if they're competent. You want to be the best in your field. You want to be the genius, the 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 one with all the power kind of.
2: Right. You you don't want to be just hyper competent because that's still something that other people can understand. You right. want to have something about what you do in your field that makes you unreachable. That yeah. that mm-hmm. splits you off from everybody else. Um I I guess it's almost like genius is the point at which nobody is saying, I could do that. Yeah. You know? That's true. Like like people walk into a museum and they'll see a a modernist painting or something that's, you know, a square of bright color or whatever, and they'll go, well, my four-year-old could do that.
3: (laughs) There's nothing particularly (sighs) cool about that.
2: To them, right. Yeah. But then they look at something, if if you showed them, say you showed them like a -a pointillist work, you know, something Mm -hmm. that... Obviously, it takes an incredible amount of labor to do, and that they can see it immediately. they kind of go like, "Oh, I couldn't do that. That's genius. even though I would argue, yeah. the amount of work and the methodology that went into it is much more obvious for that than it is for the other thing.
3: yeah that's mm-hmm. true. I don't know if I want to get into this now, but that is really true. like the the ins- we said this before, the inscrutable nature of genius. And makes it such that other people believe that they couldn't do the same things. When sadly, what genius really overlaps with is money, yep, mm-hmm. and class. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about
1: race and sex, also yeah,
3: mm-hmm. them too. Yeah. Um, like Jeff Bezos, he made a book company that just managed to make cheaper, or not make cheaper books, but retail books cheaper Mm -hmm. and the reason he could do that is because he got a three hundred thousand dollar loan from his parents like that's not genius yeah that's not business genius that's luck
2: Mm -hmm. and then he got round after round after round of capital yeah uh because amazon didn't turn a profit for decades uh after it was founded or for odd decade it hasn't even been around that long
3: right yeah, and he could just outlast the other guy. Like that's not genius. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely people out there who who, who see Jeff Bezos and, and what he does and the fact that he owns newspapers
1: now and everything like that. That's <laughs> that's part of
3: his genius. He's
1: doing nothing but following the logic of capitalism. Right. That's yeah. all he's doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but and somehow that's like a
3: revelation. It is. And mm-hmm. and you know, what's so special about that, like really and truly, like what's so special about Elon Musk? If if you really think about it, you know he has the money and the time to devote to creating a spaceship that has a forty percent success rate. (laughs) A space shuttle, like, cool. Like, yes, that's an important step in in what. Like, ultimately, what is the big deal?
1: Well, the question is, is he like like we were talking about the great man approach? Is he, he is He is absolutely replaceable. There is somebody yeah. else out there that right. could do the exact same thing that. that he's doing if they had access to the money, the education, the leisure time that he has had to, like, just establish his established Tesla or whatever. Right. Yeah.
2: And, and presumably the um, adoration of people who have never met him and are never going to meet him but who will right. defend every single thing he does. Because yeah. sometimes we get the feeling that these people manage to draw that out of others without having actually done anything to justify it yet.
3: Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And so one of the geniuses we didn't mention in the last segment, or geniuses with 72-point air quotes, as known mm. as often, <laughs> yeah. um, is uh, Malcolm Gladwell and his 10,000 hours. Speaking of you know, just needing time and money. He says it right there. You know, what you need for your genius, so-called, is just a butt-ton of time. Mm-hmm. And and the money and, and security in order to pursue that.
1: Basically, you're restricted by, do you have to sell your labor to survive? Yeah. Then you're never, then you probably can't afford to be a genius yeah. because you have to work. You have right. to work for eight hours a day or more. <laughs> you have maybe yeah. three part-time jobs and like, you know, you're driving for Lyft, say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny you
2: mentioned that. I was just listening to an episode we just did uh, this week and where they talk about, uh, Ryan and David talk about the idea of measuring your labor in time and how time measurements change to accommodate a capitalistic mode of production. And much the same way what Malcolm Gladwell, uh, the genius to the geniuses, I guess, is uh puts puts in his book is you know if if you can somehow as you're saying afford these ten thousand hours uh then you will become a master at your craft which a no (laughs) and and b um you know requires like there's a ton of variables that aren't going into that it's it's so reductive and ultimately um actively hurtful to people yeah it, it allows people like Gladwell, people like oh, I can't think of their names now, but all of these guys who they they write books about motivation and about overcoming your limitations, and um, they're not quite the self help market because they they're too sciency for that. You know, mm-hmm. this, we're not talking about your Tony Robbinses and your Wayne Dyers. We're talking about people who go the extra mile and try to scientifically justify everything and say, you know, if you just do these inputs, you will get the right output, which is you will become, you will master whatever it is that you want to, you will become genius. Yeah.
3: Li- tiny, tiny tangent about scien- science and genius is, you know, we've already pretty much established that genius is incredibly subjective, mm-hmm. but so many people want to use scientific measures for that and say, well, you know, X equals X plus Z equals Y or whatever. Right. And, which is kind of like the more you think about genius and how it operates in reality, the more it is just a scam. Like yeah. that's, mm-hmm. that's the best way to put it. Um, so anyways, that tangent. So all right, let's recap what we've talked about as far as genius and, and how it actually has implications for n- regular people. So we idolize people that really don't deserve it people who have time and money, in order to become a genius, that genius isn't really any kind of innate quality or anything. It's just the product of your class and race and time and money that you have to spend towards that project. Right? it with me so far? <laughs> so far. Yeah, okay. So, so that's A and B. C, I would go so far as to say, and I don't think it's said enough, is that... These i the people we see as geniuses, newton, Einstein, all these other people, especially scientific geniuses, these people don't operate in vacuums, like they are enabled by the
1: culture around them right mm-hmm. they're they're a collection of all the achievements that all of us have made before them. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it follows then to me, it follows that like. Like we've said before, they're replaceable. Even if they personally didn't exist, hadn't existed at that point, there would be somebody else to, to achieve those same things. Right? Yeah, so absolutely. N- yeah, it, there's
3: nothing s- there's nothing inherently special about Newton coming up with calculus or the theory of gravity. Like somebody else would have yeah. discovered mm-hmm. that and and made those those you know discoveries and advancements in mathematics. Like Leibniz invented calculus at the exact same time. Like and and separately, like we treat these people like they're special somehow, when they were just basically at the right person like, at the right time. Yeah, right. Like,
2: and if anybody, a light bulb. well, yeah. and the first person to say so would be Newton himself, because yeah. that's his famous quote: "If I have seen farther than others, it's by standing on the shoulders of giants." Now, I think whether he actually said that or not is iffy, but let's um, say he did. Let's say for <laughs> the purposes
1: of today, he did yeah. definitely.
2: All right, you you heard it here, folks. For the next <laughs> about twenty minutes, Newton said that. Um, <laughs> <There you go. laughs> but that e- even he realized it. I think it's pretty rare for somebody operating at that level um, to come to that realization or to admit it. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: S- self-effacement is almost like antithetical to the genius. Because mm-hmm, right? we've
1: said we've established that it's that's e- it's like solipsism. Yes. <laughs> Egoism. <laughs> yeah. That's it requires an quality.
3: Yeah, it requires an enormous amount of ego to declare yourself a genius, yes. or I just, or to, to be yeah,
1: to accept the title of genius. Yeah, too. Right.
3: Yeah, to be declared to to have genius thrust upon you.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> which which is why I think there's a certain personality or type of, and again we'll say this of man
0: mm-hmm. that yeah.
2: gets regarded that way. They tend to be the kind who are only perfectly happy. To accept that nomenclature,
1: I will say that something that's funny is we've dr- I name dropped David Foster Wallace earlier, and if you he, um, Noah name dropped Philip Roth. David Foster Wallace actually wrote an essay where he referred to the great. He was talking about writers. He was talking about Mailer, Updike, and Philip Roth, and he referred to them as the great male narcissists. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I think we're in good company when, if we would consider David Foster Wallace a great male narcissist.
2: Takes one to know one.
3: Uh, yeah. yeah. So
1: I, I agree with what you're saying. There's, there's <laughs> a saying, you
3: spot it, you got it. Yeah. 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 I like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So,
3: so genius is very much so subjective. It's a social phenomenon of our desire to ascribe really subjective qualities to to people and and declare them to be superior to everything else or everyone else around them without necessarily much evidence. so so this is really problematic when we think of ourselves.
2: I think I see where you're going with this. Um, there's this uh, another Malcolm Gladwell like thought that I've heard is that you know you're gonna have your great idea by the time you're 28. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you haven't had it by then, it's, it's never going to come to you, which is just mean. Let's, let's <laughs> yeah. turn from that point
3: <laughs> of view. It's a little mean-spirited, yeah. <laughs> is there
1: anyone in this room that's uh, older than 28?
2: <laughs> so the problem with this cult of the genius is that much the same way as we are shoved into a society that treats us like absolute crap, and we are forced to make choices that shouldn't be choices. And we are forced to do um, all sorts of humiliating, degrading stuff just to survive. And then we're told, oh, but it's okay because if you play your cards right, if mm-hmm. if you work hard enough and you meet the right people and, and you have just the, the tiniest bit of luck, you know, like the, that's the icing on the cake. Always you, you'll you get there. You'll, you'll have a slice of the pie. You might even have the whole pie. That mm-hmm. might be yours. And in much the same way, we have a huge cultural industry that is devoted to nothing but telling regular people that they too can one day be, reach the stature of somebody like a Musk or a Newton or all sorts of things. It, it depends on what you're into. But there is a book out there telling you that you can be the, the, whoever your hero is in that yeah. field.
3: Yeah. So on the one hand, we these these heroes, they're almost divine, and, mm-hmm. and given that, but at the same time, you the normal person on the street, you can someday become that. So it, it's kind of sad. I feel like you're you're setting everybody up for failure mm-hmm. automatically, mm-hmm. And, and by saying you know this is a divine thing, but you if you just work hard, like it's putting all your failures on your your yourself.
2: You're promising apotheosis, which, again, to bring the the thing that you've said multiple times, Amanda, it's taking a phenomenon that was once reserved to God, and bringing it to the, uh, I guess, the what what we're regarding as the intellectual upper crust here, mm-hmm. to to allow you to be among the exalted, mm-hmm.
1: the, yeah. brain yeah. the brain saints, <laughs> brain <laughs> the brain saint brain
3: saints, that's a good one.
2: All right, I like that. So we've now talked about the implications of what all of this cultish behavior leads to, um, how it's damaging to regular people, how capitalism is in some ways inextricably linked to the development of this particular form of historiography and and sociology, I guess. But we like to end on a hopeful note here at Punching Out. So it's about time for a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about Is there a better way? Could there be something else? See you soon. You're listening to Punching Out on
0: W-A-Y-O-L-P Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we
1: are.
2: Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Noah. I am joined by Lou. Hey, guys. And Amanda. Hi. And we, when we left off, we were discussing the implications of the concept of genius, 72 point air quotes, <laughs> and how, you're right, I do say that often, mm-hmm. and how it's bad for working people, it's bad for, um, it, it's a bad form of history, it's a gendered form of history, uh, a pseudo-religious form of history, I can think of several other terms I'd use to describe <laughs> it, but like I said, before the break, we like to end on a hopeful note here at Punching Out. So we're gonna try and discuss, is there a better way? Can we do this in a way that doesn't harm regular people, in a way that doesn't prize the rich and men and um, white people and straight people over others?
3: And by this you mean like celebrate accomplishment because that's ultimately kind of what genius is attempting to do mm-hmm. is to celebrate accomplishment, but it does so and in, in our perception of genius does so in a way that is gendered, classist, mm-hmm. garbage.
1: Well, that's always an interesting criticism of communism that you hear from like the right wing a lot is like, well, who's going to have the technical innovations if no one's uh, if if no one's uh, getting incentivized to to uh, you know be Elon Musk then how is that going to happen and we know that <laughs> yeah to which my response is always I don't need six different flavors
3: of mint in my toothpaste that doesn't bother me I don't need the garbage that I'm sold to I'm sold every day like I, mm-hmm. I don't need it
2: and also incentivized to be Elon Musk like incentivized to be a dumb jerk on Twitter <laughs> I, I feel
1: like I that's something that, that should already. be incentivized in this room <laughs> yeah, we do that already.
3: Wow. <laughs> Amanda's here with the jokes. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, right. So, so the point is, like, in our leftist utopia, in a in a place that celebrates the average person instead of our capitalist overlords, what does accomplish celebrating c- accomplishment look like? And I, I, I would say, just throwing it out there, it needs to be a more democratic one where mm-hmm. everybody. Does have not just in name but in reality the ability to contribute to the whole in a meaningful way.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone's contribution is meaningful. to me. That's you true. D- you d- I mean, the like we've I think the essential part of the, our leftist utopia is recognizing that like the janitor sweeping the floor yeah. is equally as valuable as Steve Jobs. That's true, and uh, well, so, and <laughs> more, va- more <laughs> right. valuable,
2: way more useful.
1: Way scratch more that more
3: yes. valuable yeah and i think recognizing the the contributions that everyday people make to to our world is an important step i am going to say it right now a lot of people see that as like the participation tro- trophy oh well you know my kid all gets participation trophies which is why they all are stupid and dumb and millennials suck everyone <laughs>
2: gets a trophy
3: yeah like but w-
2: but you know why that is, though? That's because that's still accepting the competitive framework. Right. And and that's the fundamental problem. Yeah. That somebody has to win and somebody mm-hmm. else, and you're a fan of saying this. Yeah,
1: it's not a zero-sum game.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: Liberalism and capitalism want to frame everything as, you've said, competitiveness. That's, requi- that's like emphasis on individualism mm-hmm. and, and, you know, we are we achieve what we achieve because we're genius or we're talented or whatever, and not because there's all these other, this collective achievement that has come before that enabled us to get to that point, and without us would probably still happen anyway.
2: That's the dirty word, collectivism. (laughs) That's the the thing (laughs) we are not allowed to talk about. Which is increasingly, and, and thank God this is the case, increasingly we're realizing that the way innovation works, accomplishment works, to use your word for it, Lou, the the way that that works is fundamentally collective. The example I heard about this recently was, you know, if you're living in like a German village in 1434 and you just got hit by, I don't know, whatever aftershock of the plague is going around, it doesn't matter if your tested IQ would be in the four digits range. I know that's impossible, but let's just
3: yeah. Imagine (laughs) not for a
1: genius, uh,
2: right? (laughs) It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if if you are literally by some made up objective measure the smartest person who's ever existed on this earth. You are not going to invent the internal combustion engine.
0: Mm Yeah, you
2: you literally cannot the the intellectual your intellectual capacity might be incredible. But you simply don't have the foundation required to be able to do that.
1: So you're saying intellectual capacity is contingent on s- on s- the progress of history and culture and society, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and other people, and yeah, and
2: yeah. what they're doing, yeah,
3: yeah. It's secondary to other things. the The work as a whole, and and that that's definitely a step that could be made again un- under capitalism. It, it's tough. It, it's tough to do that because we're so. Focused on rewarding individualism.
2: Right, where we atomize. Right. We we uh, present everything as a discrete achievement. Yeah. If you look at if you look at somebody like Thomas Edison, that's a great example because that's a person whose great genius was in stealing the right inventions. And we know that now. Yeah. That that's pretty much inarguable at this point. <laughs> but he's still credited with specific things. And in yeah. reality, all he did was Put all of these together into the same, you know, factory and, and mass produce them. And that's not really so much genius as just, you know, insatiable greed.
3: Yeah, it's amazing, like, how much money and genius overlap.
2: Under our system, yeah, yeah. absolutely there they are. would. They're,
3: they're basically synonymous. So I think that's, you know, incentivizing or not just incentivizing, but rewarding collective action and the accomplishments of the group over the individual would be a big step in making that making the leftist utopia that we all want mm-hmm. uh better and you know within that rewarding being a nice person
2: yeah what if that <laughs> was part of yeah.
3: wow
1: what a radical
3: concept <laughs> yeah. i know and i think again this is this is part of the zero something that we treat so many interactions and interpersonal relationships as zero sum transactions like Amanda in capitalist society because materials are quote unquote scarce and resources are limited that your gain literally means I'm missing out on something Mm -hmm. and we treat things like we treat things as scarce and that does
1: not have to be the case it doesn't have
3: to be the case so so our part of how we become you know mean to one another and brutish and everything is because we are framing all our interactions like that. And that I have to look out for me and and and
1: my people over the collective
2: and and ultimately i think that's that's something that's really hard to break out of even for a dedicated leftist well yeah,
1: yeah. it's enforced by you can't yeah. l- it's it's the yeah. same it's the same argument against you can't well <laughs> maybe this is not a discussion we want to get into right now but it's like <laughs> prefigurative politics it, there's only so much you can change your little environment when there's an oppressive system exactly. yeah. Yeah. yeah forcing itself on yeah yeah
2: no it's it's absolutely it's a huge uphill battle mm mm-hmm. mhm um, I would argue that, you know, being familiar with even even leftist uh, historiography sometimes kind of falls uh, into the trap. And it's natural yeah. that it would because we all have to live in this system that we have right now and we're all going to make mistakes for this. Yeah. But if we can collectivize do yeah. the exact <laughs> thing that we're talking about. And, and bring about the, a, a better world in the future, one of the things that I think has to happen is we need to start thinking about i, I don't like using metaphors like parts of a, a you know cogs in the machine or whatever, because I think that plays into the hands of the capitalists, but that we all have to start thinking about being on the same team, yeah. being being members of the same team. We all have things to contribute. we all have the capacity to
0: contribute, and we can
1: all benefit from each other's contributions yeah that's the big yeah big thing. Like, what I'm good at is not necessarily what somebody else is good at, but together, like,
3: we can do a whole lot more, Mm -hmm. and it's not just about how we can, you know, one-up each other.
2: Right. To use the capitalist word, it's synergizing.
3: Synergizing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think, as gross as that word is, I do think it is actually a kind of useful... It is. ...useful term. You know, it's just kind of gross and the dangerous. way
2: the way it was defined to me, synergy was that if you put one two by four right, it has a certain weight it can hold. If you put another two by four by it, the amount of weight it can hold does not increase times two. It increases to like times two point sixty seven or something. Yeah. And then if you nail them together, it actually increases to like times three point whatever it is. So there's there is an inborn the effort and the pain and the the suffering that we would all save each other by developing a better way to relate to each other would give us all the capacity, I think, yeah. to...
1: So you're saying we should operate by the principle from each according to his ability to each according to his need?
2: Isn't that in the Bible? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, my gosh. Next you'll be saying that Jesus is a socialist. Oh, don't, I, I, did don't hear, don't I did hear... Don't... I did not hear somebody... The fire department is socialist. The life, no, oh, yes.
2: <laughs> socialism s- is when the government does things,
1: <laughs> and the more <laughs> things the government does, <laughs> the more
2: socialist the it is. There we go. Uh, that's
1: why, I, I so, that's why Scandinavia is so, so socialist, anyway. Yeah,
2: I anyway, do have to give a bad,
0: we've got not, not the proper. <laughs> okay,
1: so, so bringing it back to Jesus, hold on.
2: Jesus. I just want this, might get cut out, but I just want to give a really quick shout out to my friend Nick who did say today. I don't know how anybody reads the New Testament and doesn't come out an anti-capitalist.
3: <laughs> Amen. So, I th- bringing it back to genius. I and and way call back to the beginning of the episode when we're talking about House and Tony Stark and everything, part of dismantling our our perception of genius and how it is treated in our culture is to stop letting people get away with being jerks. Like we let we and we talked about this extensively. We let our, our quote-unquote geniuses get away with a whole bunch of crappy behavior because of their perceived genius literal murder <laughs> in, in <laughs> many yeah. cases yeah. yeah yep just it, like
2: legit murder
3: so so i know it sounds very you know f- kumbaya and whatever uh to to say oh well we should just be nice to each other and everything but that had literal consequences for our perception of genius, and to hold people accountable for the actions and 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 dumb things that they do,
1: and and maybe celebrate those also those people who manage to like transcend that,
2: yeah, resist yeah. the the negative the, negati- the <laughs> negativity of it. Just
1: another tainted word. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> man. So much of our language has just been ruined over the past couple of years. <laughs> anyway, I think what Amanda is trying to say is we're we're recording this on the day that anthony bourdain died or at least the the day that he was found and um for me at least it kind of surprised me how how hard that hit me yeah um i didn't watch a lot of no reservations or parts unknown i've never read any of his books but one thing i i don't remember exactly when he said this what episode it was but i remember him saying something like you know, if I disappear on this, I, I started to think that I might disappear on this. And if I do, I've set my peace. Nobody particularly cares whether I vanish. You know, there will be others, right? And obviously, based on everything I've seen, he was 100% wrong about that. Mm-hmm. And thank God yeah. that he was. That Much like Isaac Newton's quote about the sh- uh, standing on the shoulders of giants, he self-effaced. He showed... In that moment, a vulnerability about his uh, his own conception of being replaceable in a way that somebody with that kind of swagger and that kind of like personality to him, that hyper masculinity, yet mm-hmm. again, typically can't show. People have said amazing things about him all day long, but what I carry about him in my heart is is that that humility about his own work.
1: Yeah, I also want to just add that it's a shame. That Henry Kissinger outlived him. <laughs> um, that's <laughs> that's true. A, that's t- a sin. That's true.
2: Anthony Bourdain on Henry Kissinger is all time great.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: <laughs> it is. Um. So yeah, and it's I I too feel really is sad about Anthony Bourdain passing, not just because of the circumstances around it, but because of his contributions
1: to. People to, to regular people everywhere, mm-hmm. and to respect respecting like not just re- like regular like he did one of the n- episodes of No Reservations I saw mentioned was when he went to pal to Palestine, yep, mm-hmm. and respect and and showed people that Palestinians are not just are not like terrorists like Israel yeah. wants you to think they are very much so they are regular people yeah and yeah right I
3: yeah and and. Sadly, uh, the U.S. has has problems dealing with other cultures. And we are definitely, to put it bluntly, kind of up our own butts about a lot of things. And and his humility in in going around the world and, and learning things and just having an intense empathy for people in different situations always spoke to me as it was aspirational to me that we can all be on the same side and we're not all that different. We have major differences between us in terms of our culture and perceptions of, of how the world works and everything like that, but that doesn't make us enemies. And to me, we've already talked about this, like having solidarity with your fellow man, not just your fellow, insert whatever you might identify as, was incredibly moving. And the fact that he had that humility about him and presence while also being an exceptionally poignant writer was truly inspiring. And that's the person who I think not necessarily should be
1: revered, but
3: should be honored versus the jerk. Yeah,
1: more yeah. Anthony Bourdain, less Elon Musk.
2: I think we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, uh, this has been Punching Out. I'm Noah.
1: I'm Lou. I'm Amanda.
2: Bye, y'all. Out! You
0: You've been I'll listening punch you to now. Punching Out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching punch Out Wayo. Out. Email us your work stories, complaints, and struggles to PunchingOutWayo at gmail.com. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.